Welcome to the Medicinity Podcast. I'm a 17-year-old A-level student here to bring you the best people with knowledge and insight on how to get into med school, how to become a doctor and explore other careers around medicine and tech. I'm here today with a very special guest, Grace Jimson, who is the CEO of Holly Health, but I'll let her explain a bit more about that herself in a minute. Welcome to the podcast, Grace. It's great to have you on here. Thanks for having me, Imogen. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's honestly, it's so great to have you. So just to start off with, introduce yourself a bit and explain how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. Um, Great. So I am Grace Jimson. I'm co-founder and CEO at Holly Health. Um, And just for some context, um, Holly Health is a digital health behaviour change platform and we support sustainable physical and and mental health improvements. Um, And we've tried to do that with a really compassionate and population scalable solution. So that means it's technology driven, but we've tried to bring as much humanness and the type of psychological support that people really need to make permanent changes. Um, So that's a little bit about the service. Um, In terms of my background, um, so I think I'm I'm a bit strange in that I knew from quite an early age that I wanted to build a company that that was using technology um, to solve some sort of a human problem. Um, And not everyone will kind of wake up in their teenage years and know that for sure. But uh, I've always been quite deliberate and I think I I was surrounded by kind of early um, versions of smartphones and tablets because my dad was a Hewlett Packard researcher. um, And I just thought this will definitely change the way that we live. Um, And I kind of wanted to be involved with that. Um, And I was also pretty ambitious. I think some of that comes from being a twin and being a little bit competitive. Um, And my brother actually started his business when he was 16 and it is still running and thriving through to now. Um, whereas I, as a more kind of nervous, um, kind of wanting to learn how to build things before chucking myself into the deep end, uh, kind of personality, I really wanted to go down the the business route to understand how do you build a company that can really scale, um, in a great way? And how do you build a team that's, um, sustainable and how do you manage all the elements to, to make something work? Um, so that's really the path that I took studied business, um, worked in big companies and small companies, um, companies like Microsoft on the larger side, and then smaller but scaling companies like Deliveroo Startup um, when it was quite early. And I scaled lots of their operations and um, market launches. And then other startups like Scape Technologies, which was a very deep tech computer vision company um, where we exited that into Facebook. Um, So quite a different experience there. Um, and all, all of this obviously is, is quite um, separate from the world of health, um, but from those teenage years, I was really quite obsessed with psychology um, and I could, I was quite close to considering going down the psychology career route, but kind of wanted to pair the two things together. So business and psychology. Um, so kind of just kept doing that in the background at some point became a health coach um, through the kind of formal training processes, um, learned how to support people with kind of proactive and um, long-term changes. And then um, just to round it off, uh, I think I was quite lucky uh, in university and and a lot of my school friends actually 
I, I fell into a crowd of loads and loads of medics. Um, and so a lot of my best friends are doing lots of different things across medicine. Um, and um, that's kind of helped me to see from an outside perspective what's been going on in the NHS, uh, all the challenges that the fact that we're quite a um, reactive um, system um, just through the way that our doctors are trained and the, the fact that there hasn't been that much resource um, to put on prevention and all of that was kind of telling me that that there's a huge gap and obviously mounting chronic conditions everyone's got experiences seeing friends and family members struggling with long-term conditions and not really having a solution um, so I, I knew that that was forming the, the problem area that I wanted to work on um, and yeah, sorry, that's a very long uh, summary of <laughs> my background, but I, I was just really excited to get into the world of long term condition management um, and using psychological approaches for behaviour change. No, that's brilliant. I, it's, there's a lot to talk about there, isn't there? So I just want to ask just to confirm. So your service or your product is that and you, you said you want to make it very human and not just all technology. So is it an app? Is it a website? What is the actual service? Yeah, so it's it's a bit of a platform, which means it's it's operating in a few different places. But we currently operate through an app, but we also have a web service. So you don't necessarily have to be on a mobile phone to um, to access it. Um, and we also have introduced an SMS based service. So that means you don't necessarily have to have a smartphone um, to access the service either. So it's kind of operating in a few different places, but it is fully digital and, and operates like it is an app. OK, yeah, that's good to know, just to fully understand what the thing actually is. And so you said there about being ambitious, but also being cautious, not really knowing, not really jumping straight into it. And then you had medics that you're surrounded by at school and you saw a big gap in in the market sort of thing so how did you actually get into doing what you're doing now how did you make the transition from just business to health and business yeah so I think behind the scenes um it was always about learning and observing um outside of my working day so just talking to, to everyone that I could about what were the challenges that they faced, how, how do we look after behaviour change and prevention in, in the kind of NHS and other healthcare services that exist. Um, so really, I think that process started in my early 20s or, or so, um, just asking lots of questions, looking out for um, challenges um, as published by the NHS, things like the long term plan. Um, and then really becoming a health coach um, helped me to see the practical sides of, of the challenges that people face. So having lots and lots of um, conditions to manage um, and, um, and really struggling with both mental health and physical health simultaneously, which I think is an overlooked issue quite often in our healthcare services. We're targeting either a physical condition or a mental health condition. We're not very often looking after both at once. So that was the direct observation for me working with people in a coaching perspective. Um, so all of these ideas were kind of bubbling away for a good number of years, um, especially noting lots of people in my life going through mental health challenges um, as it's just so prevalent. Um, and then really to, to switch from where I was, which was um, kind of food delivery and deep tech um, into health, it was... Um, 
really the the acquisition um gave me that freedom to to step away from everything for a bit have a clean slate um find my early colleagues for um holly health so um a couple of really excellent people um one with a phd in psychological medicine one with a phd in um, neuroscience um so this is um claire my co-founder and daniela our kind of co-creator um, and we we started to form an idea together. So using the science um, that they had understood from their backgrounds um, and the clinical experience as well, uh, and then talking with loads and loads of clinicians. So um, we conducted loads of interviews before we started mapping out what the product should look like um, with a, a big range of, of different people. So senior NHS people, doctors, um, health coaches, um, members of the public. Then we created a low-tech initial version of Holly Health um, to test uh, what we thought would be helpful. Um, so we created a habit change system and a kind of infrastructure for um, the types of habits people would like to adopt and personalized entry point. How do we tailor this to the person? And then we spun up a, a product using WhatsApp and some kind of low, low um, code tools. Um, my co-founder Claire, was also a self-taught full stack engineer. So that was super helpful for that stage. Um, and um, yeah, we, we basically just created this early version, got it out to a few hundred people to get lots of feedback and started iterating from there. Wow, so you've just kind of been observing, you know, through your early twenties, as you said, and then you kind of just collaborated with, with these people and had, and you also said there about having a clean slate and then just kind of starting again on this whole new, um, well holly health journey as it were and that that's just really great and you said how you've worked with loads of clinicians and then your um your co-founder being an engineer sort of thing so do you think it's helped you that you aren't a doctor or aren't a clinician or do you think it's actually hindered you do you, you know how, how have you found that not actually being a doctor yourself Yes, this is a really interesting one because I think there there are some opinions um, around the place on like some people think in order to build a, a health technology solution you have to have some sort of clinical background. I don't think that's um, I don't think that's true in all cases. I think you need such a big uh, combination of skills to create something that's really impactful and scalable. There's so many different things to manage um, in. Um, building any company and actually for me my my drive was always to be that operator like to really know how to execute and deliver uh, knowing that I'm I'm not the, um, the biggest expert in the team when it comes to psychological medicine or um, or GP for example but then knowing that you're always going to form that early team based on the missing pieces um, and always seeking external guidance like no single doctor or medic um, will know everything even in the medical sense so um, obviously because of how um, how we do train in in our systems to go down quite specific medical routes normally there's always going to be a lot more outside of that anyway for, for most services that people um, begin I think I'm not sure, honestly, how uh, people who have been through medical careers transition into a very business heavy kind of CEO role, say, um, without any prior business experience. I think that must be really difficult. And I'm, I'm very kind of 
um, respect for uh, respecting of, of people who were able to take on all of that at once. Um, I think for me, it gave me a lot of confidence understanding the business and growth side of things before starting this. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's different opinions out there. Sometimes when it comes to selling back into healthcare, um, it will be better received when it's coming from a clinical person. So sometimes we structure our sales um, with either people who are already quite ingrained and well networked inside that healthcare space, or um, or we'll use um, Leon, our, our GP who works with us part-time. Sometimes he'll do our initial meetings so that it's like a friendly kind of relatable face who comes from the same role when we're talking to GPs um, who can then introduce Holly Health and, and pass on to the rest of the team. So there's always going to be a mixture of people that, that need to get things up and running. I think it just depends on, on what excites you day to day. Like if you know for sure that you want to study medicine and and be a, a medical person then definitely take that route um and then like in future there's still going to be lots of opportunities open um i i didn't ever get that excited about being um a clinician myself and got really excited about the business side of things and and the psychology side of things so i kind of took that route because of that yeah, I mean, it's true in any team, isn't it? And and especially founding a company, you can't be everything and do everything at once. You have to have different skills. And that's really interesting. You said having the kind of business background as opposed to the clinical background probably, yeah, probably has helped you be a better operator or manager kind of getting everyone together. Whereas some clinicians might be really good at the scientific knowledge for what you need, but not necessarily be able to get everyone together and join them together to what you want to do. So yeah, that's a, that's a really good point to make. And it's good that it hasn't held you back too much and you've been able to play to your strength. I think that's, that's really interesting that you've brought that up. And so Holly Health, when I met you at the Summit Google event in December, that topic was all about elderly care. And so you mentioned a lot about behavioral change and that's what Holly Health kind of aimed to do. And what we spoke about at the most recent Summit event as well is also about lifestyle and how something you do now will really affect you in the future. And obviously there's a lot in the media and, you know, ageing population is quite a big hot topic at the moment. So with that, do you think behavioural changes and lifestyle can affect your health a lot more? There's like traditional medicine where we we treat stuff after it's already emerged and like there's obviously lot, loads of proven medicines and things that um that do work in in lots of cases and like we we've had huge improvements in how we've looked after health over the last century because of so much innovation in um medical care and medicine um I think the thing that we're now missing uh, hugely, and I think everyone now recognizes this, is we're not really um, recognizing that our bodies and brains need a combination of behaviors in this modern world in order to keep um, kind of uh, like stress at bay, physical conditions at bay. Like we're not evolved for this type of environment. Um, we're evolved for an environment where we're quite active naturally. We have like a, a good nutritional diet just naturally. Um, we get sleep because we sleep when the sun goes down and get up when it comes up. Um, that's all kind of long gone. So 
um, we don't really realize how much we actually proactively need to do to maintain good long-term health now in, in this world. Um, and that's all about proactive behavior change. So if, if we if we just kind of fell through our life, which lots of us do without thinking about, okay, what does my body really need? Then obviously conditions start to develop and emerge. Um, and then we end up with, with lots of challenges. And because we do have an aging population, obviously by, by the time that we're in our 60s, 70s, most of us have um, a medical, long-term medical condition, and many of us have two or three or even more. Um, so yeah, in, in relation to healthy aging, it is possible to live many more years free from disease if, if we employ um, a combination of healthy behaviors in midlife. So there's actually some really interesting studies by the likes of Harvard and some other kind of world-known institutions looking long-term at um, people in their 40s who start to um, employ healthy behaviors, things like nutritious diet, enough exercise, um, not overdoing alcohol, avoiding smoking, that kind of thing, and sleep is a really important one as well. Then they look kind of 20, 30 years later at the health of these population groups on a large scale. And the average um, disease-free life extension, if you have those four or so healthy behaviors, is 10 years. So you can have a really dramatic improvement on your disease-free life with healthy behaviors. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, what's your opinion on how well our current healthcare systems um, support kind of those types of behaviors? Well, I mean, well, firstly, that was really interesting how you said even at 40, if you start making the changes, you can add 10 years because, you know, for me, 40 is like, wow, that's so old. That's, you know, some people might consider that too late. You know, if you haven't done it before, then then there's nothing you can do. But you mentioning there, that, that can actually change 10 years of your life. So it's not too late when you're 40 even though that's that's not old but what I think personally um well I see a lot about how the NHS is a healthcare system in terms of as you said once you are ill they can help you get better but and it is it is getting better I think they are trying to focus more on lifestyle and staying healthy and preventing you getting ill rather than helping you once you are ill I think at the moment, it could definitely, it's got a long way to go, I think is what I'm trying to say. There's a, still more that the NHS could put in place, definitely. Yeah, exactly. I think at the moment, it seems like all clinicians recognise the value of um, lifestyle behaviours, but there just really isn't the support there for patients to, and clinicians as well, um, of how to do um create a sustainable process for change so very often uh, we'll end up going into short-term fixes so um, a restrictive diet for example most of which um, end up backfiring and very often people actually end up um, weighing more later than they started um, because of that restriction um, or short-term exercise regimes which which might last for a few weeks but are very difficult to keep up with um so without some sort of structure to do things in a small sustainable way where you keep your motivation and learning up um that's very hard to do on your own and i think that's where the nhs and other healthcare providers um, are now looking for scalable supportive and personalized um behavior change support services yeah, that's really interesting. And going back to what you said about how 
we're going away from natural cycles with sleep and food and things. Also, we I think we expect quite instant graphic gratification. We can look something up really instantly. We can text someone and be able to communicate with to them within seconds. And it's not like that with health, unfortunately. It's not something, as you say, where you can just not eat for ages or do a ton of workouts for a few weeks and hope everything to change really quickly. It is about being consistent and keep going, keep going, which is hard, as you say. And mm-hmm. it's it's good that Holly Health and hopefully the NHS as well were helping people to keep that consistency and as you said, personalise it for them as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we are we are really excited to see the NHS is starting to adopt this kind of approach. And some sometimes it's coming out of necessity, like the um, so many patients asking for help and being on wait lists um, and clinicians um, being really strapped for time and resource. And actually, um, we've now partnered with over 100 GP practices um, to get Holly Health directly to patients as a almost like a prescription en masse service, um, which is so exciting to see because um, a GP practice will kind of send out a text message, message or invitation and we can see instantly four, five, six hundred patients from one GP practice um, straight away signing up and having some sort of support. Um, and it's our goal to um, really get this support to as many millions of people as we can over the next few years um, and um, to make sure that it's affordable for the likes of the NHS and other large providers. Um, so, yeah, that's our, our mission, really, um, just to keep um, getting it out there um, and um, providing that kind of sustainable help that people don't really have right now. Yeah, it sounds really good. It's a great mission to have and it's definitely very important and can really change so many people's lives. And you mentioned um, at Somics and at Google about uh, being able to change and impact people on a population scale, whereas doctors, obviously, they can help people on a population scale too, but primarily in clinic or as a GP, you could help maybe, I don't know, up to 30 people a day, that kind of thing. But having a health tech company where you're changing people's lives hopefully permanently you can help the whole of the UK the whole of our population which is really really interesting so what what do you think about that kind of helping people on a really large scale yeah I I think really it's the only way forward for the NHS and other massive providers Um, right now like you say it's a very one-by-one approach Um, only the very very highest risk people will get access for example right now a lot of the weight management services that exist in the UK are only open to people with um, either 30 sometimes 35 BMI or higher and sometimes they also have to have another condition that makes um, the risk even higher so um, that that leaves a lot of people who would like help um, without even the ability to go down those specialist routes. Whereas when you start to think things differently and put kind of off the shelf digital solutions um, in an affordable way for the NHS um, or, or patients, you can really start to do things at scale. Um, so that's why we're really excited about this um, primary care approach where um, patients who don't haven't even spoken to their GP recently can then get access to Holly Health, use it on their own for six months or a year, 
um, develop um, a number of habits across a series of months. We're, we're seeing that after eight weeks, um, over 88% of our users at the moment um, say that they've developed automatic new habits. Um, some small things that they're just kind of doing in their everyday life without thinking. And that's that's the goal is to just have that opportunity um, for people to get it whenever they need. And obviously it's, it's not just um, with Holly Health services that this needs to happen. It needs to be across the board. Um, so with the likes of uh, physiotherapy services, lots of people have trouble with MSK issues, um, mental health services. Um, I really like um, companies like Big Health that are trying to get um, sleep support out to the population and anxiety support to the population. They're working closely with the NHS in some places as well. Um, and I think over time we will see hopefully a more um, kind of national scale adoption of digital approaches. Um, there is some talk of uh, digital apps on prescription in the NHS in some format. So I don't know if that's imminent or, or kind of coming soon, but um, I think it's it's the direction we're headed in, which is good. Wow, I mean, that's great. We, uh, health tech always talks about you need the evidence. I mean, you've obviously got the evidence there with the 88% having good habits and that's that's brilliant to hear. But uh, if there's something I want to bring up is, so your method is going through GP practices and connecting with GP trust and that kind of thing and sending out text messages. I was doing a podcast with someone a few weeks ago when we were talking about public health and about one in 6% of the South American population who come to the UK aren't registered in with, with a GP. And that's just an example. I'm sure there's lots of people who aren't registered with a GP. So how can you reach those people who actually aren't part of a GP practice? Yeah, wow, that's, that's quite a high... Um number of people um yeah so there's there's various ways that we try and get to the population outside of primary care so we have some local authority services running um which um they kind of operate in various different ways it might be alongside the employability services or uh more kind of public well-being services or or actually well integrated with gyms and community um facilities so that's that's one way we do have a couple of large scale gym partnerships, which I can't announce yet, but um, they should be launching soon. So that the goal there is to get national support through um, government facilitated gyms um, for for behavior change. So that's another way. Then we also have some big charity collaborations. So um, our healthy aging work, um, we've created a lot of this in relationship with um, our local age UK team in Lewisham and Southwark in London. Um, so with with them, we're we're now looking to scale up our um, healthy aging service uh, throughout the whole UK um, through broader um, age UK charities. And also quite excited about a new community element that we're bringing in, where we've recently partnered with um, a few national uh, community organisations. So Ramblers is one. Um, they are um, obviously walking groups. Um, so we're we're actually pushing people towards their local walking groups and also giving those people access to Holly Health. Um, Natural Voice Network is another one. So that's a, a national choir group with choirs all over the place that you, where you don't have to be good at singing, you don't have to audition, uh, you can just turn up. Um, and um, there's a few others joining soon. Um, so yeah, we, we're trying to push Holly Health out wherever we can. 
um, but also just forming those partnerships and relationships to um, to be kind of integrated with the government and NHS systems as well. Well, I'm really glad I asked that question. You're really covering all the bases there. I mean, from choirs to gyms, it, there's lots of different things that people get involved in and they're not necessarily going to get involved in just this, just that. And I think that's that's really interesting. I'm so glad I asked about that. So just to finish off, what would be your top tip to anyone looking to go into health tech or start their own company around health services? Yeah, I, I, there's so many things uh, that that could be helpful, but I think the main thing is if you've got an interest in the space, um, you don't necessarily have to be in a job to really understand it more and more. Like it's, you can just kind of talk to people, network with people, attend events uh, exactly like you do, Imogen, and just um, build up that network of understanding and, and information. Um, and um, I think just follow your gut in terms of what what do you enjoy? Like, forget about what um, like is good to do in a like cultural sense or like the the traditional routes that that people follow into various different careers. And just think like, what do you enjoy? And if you don't really know, uh, which like a lot of people don't know until they're kind of already in their career um just try and find ways to like talk to people who are in various different roles whether it's different roles in medicine um or feel free to reach out to people like me um just to like ask questions about um what it's been like um yeah I, I think just trying to understand what you want to do and and following that path um can only be a good way to do things Wow, that's great. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been so great to have you. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. That's all today from the Medicineergy podcast. Thank you for listening and click the follow button to hear more.